Campfire, a podcast, three dudes kicking it around the fire discussing the day's hot topics, their opinions, and all kinds of banter. Sit back, relax, tune in, and feel the warmth as the red light is about to turn on. Hey guys, the red light's on. Hey, well, hell yeah, we're back. Fucking a. Glad to be here. Season three, episode ten. Fucking ten. It's a ten. I gave her a ten. I gave this show a ten. Big Texas ten fold. Hell yeah. Been a little bit, hadn't it? It Season has. Our last episode. We've been slacking this year, man. It was back in January. Yep. January uh, scheduled for... 28th, I think. 28th or 27th. Yeah. Yep. Hell yeah. Oh, that was a good episode, though. I was just reading the notes. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Uh-huh. Back at it, so we're with video this time again. Yeah. Next week. Keith not getting mad on the phone, walking around in his underwear in the hotel room. I know, right? That was funny last time. <laughs> I mean, it sucked because of what sucked, was going yeah. on, but <laughs> you but were like, the... I'll be right back. Yeah. And then like 10 yeah. minutes later, I saw you walk into the camera frame in your underwear with the phone up to your right. head. Like arms going in the air, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I do want to let our viewers know we did make sure Keith has pants on and he's going to keep them on for the entirety of the show. I did not not agree to keeping them on that whole time. That's for me and Joe's sake, honestly. We got to look at Joe here on the computers or look at Keith during this. So, yeah, keep your pants on, guys. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about all that. It's just fun to just, you know. Sometimes take it just gets off. so hot and heated that you yeah, have to take it You know it what? Off. Speaking of which, I'm feeling a little constricted. I'm just going to undo the old belt. I mean, it's okay uh, to undo the belt. Honestly, yeah. I mean, we're all men here. and We've all gotten home at the end of the night. You just got to let the belt loose and kick mm-hmm. the top button open. Yeah, man. Do the let whole the album. where it needs to be. That's old it. Al Bundy chilling. The no old man style. style. You damn right. You know, it's funny. Women don't understand how it's not a sexual thing. It's not playing with yourself. It's not. And they don't understand that when a man puts his hand down his pants and grabs a hold of his junk, we're doing it just because it's relaxing. So Just to have the whole package right there in your it hand. It is comforting. Y'all need your safe space. All a man needs is his left hand holding his nuts. So one thing that I would say with that is that, you know how chicks, if you ever watch a chick take off their bra, they just grab up onto their chest and rub (laughs) it a little bit and stuff. It's the same same exact thing. It's not a sexual thing or anything. It's just letting the ladies (laughs) free. That's That's all. Yeah, but if you talk to a chick, they they they're like, "Well, I love I love just letting them hang and 
not being constricted, taking the bra off. And I'm like, yeah, but you ever try to do jumping jacks with no bra on? You ever walk around all day with right. massive memories with no bra on? It they, they start, I mean, the gravity makes it kind of uncomfortable, right? Same yeah. thing having cack and balls. That's why, balls. that's why it feels good to just grab a hold of them and just support them. Lift them up, let gravity fuck off for a little bit, and you just cradle your your package. It's just so comforting. But, you know, we're fucking coming right out of the gate of this episode. Real strong. And it's fucking Real glorious. <laughs> and there's so much shit we could be talking about yeah. that's not our cock and balls, but, you know, we might as well be fucking teenage <laughs> boys. Right. <laughs> Fuck it. That seems Fuck a it. good way to start episode 10. There really is a lot to talk about, and we kind of haven't put many new topics on our on our list here, but there there's, there's a lot so going on in about. the world. Um, it is an election year. We got to remember that. So there's going to be uh, a lots bunch of, of news cycle, shit. lots of lots of meat out there for the talking heads to sink their teeth into. Yeah, a lot um, of tails wagging dogs. Right, right, and. I was not if we can start into that now if you want to, but I was just going to say a lot of the border issues that we're having right now, these are manufactured crisis. And I'm not saying the whole border crisis is a manufactured crisis, but I mean, if you went down there to the border right now, you're going to see there's a gate. There are people coming through. They've got tanks there. They've got a troop presence. You know, you see all the barbed wire and everything. But you travel five miles away from that gate, right down the fence. And there's a wide open gate, not a soul around. Anybody can walk through and do whatever they want. Yep. Okay. And they are. Well, and I don't even know if it's that far. I think it's only like a half a mile away. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I saw the one guy's this... TikTok video about it, and he, yeah. he it's ridiculous. Straight he showed open. us. It's it is absolutely ridiculous what they're doing. So, you know, every bit of information that's coming across from the mainstream media is tainted with political bias, and they do that kind of stupid shit where they, you know. They cherry-pick information, they take things out of context, and it's all to support their narrative. You know, you got the Biden administration out there saying, oh, yeah, we've, we've got the borders plenty secure, and we've got people at the gate. But again, you travel half a mile down, and there's a gate wide open that anybody can come through, you know? So... Well, well not to mention, they, they, say, they talk out both sides of their face. One minute, they're saying... Yeah, the border's secure, we've got the troop presence, we're processing people, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, they'll turn around to the media and, and talk about how Republicans are blocking this bill and there's a crisis at the border. And without Republicans you know, voting for this bill, the border's not going to be secure. So which is it, fuckheads? Is the border secure or do we need to pass legislation? <laughs> Yeah, I, I tell you right now, we don't need to pass legislation. We, maybe maybe we need to pass legislation on legal immigration, better pathways for legal immigration. But I think we have a pretty solid 
set of laws on the books for asylum claims and illegal immigrants uh, just enforce the laws. They're already fucking there. They just won't enforce the law. And then when Texas steps up and starts trying to enforce federal law, then it's a big fucking problem. We need legislation. Uh, No. Fuck off with that shit. Fuck off with that shit. It's everything's just a fucking mess, guys. Like everything is a mess. Our economy's shit. Our social fabric's fucking disintegrated. It's I don't Sodom know and anymore. It really is Sodom and Gomorrah. We're we're going we're going to go out like the Romans did. We really fucking are. Well, we hope not. Um, yeah, I hope, I hope not. not. I don't think it would be that bad, but dude, we were just talking about this last week. Like I said, I yeah. I I still have faith in America because like I said last weekend we were chatting. You know, you both are uh believers, you're God-fearing men, good American patriots. You work hard, you pay your taxes. You participate in your communities. You're true red-blooded Americans. You believe in God. And you believe that this country... Uh, what's, what's the term I'm looking for here? Um, I, I, well, this I is the promised land. We were destined to have freedom and democracy here because God willed it that way. I'm not sure uh, if yeah, he I, willed I, I agree with you. Yes. And in that same notion, you have to have faith that America will prevail. And America's been through dark times from the Civil War to World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, the entirety of the Cold War. All of these, all of these events throughout our history, which nearly brought us to the brink, only forged us and and hardened us, made us even stronger. And that's what I believe all these events are going to do. We learn from them. Maybe we're in the middle of this uh, neo-civil rights movement right now. But we survived the first one, and the first one seems it's probably far more violent. I think there were more <laughs> casualties. Property damage will be higher now, but that, I blame inflation for that. But uh, America is going to prevail. That's the nature of America. I, I agree, and it's solely because, and I think you were trying to find words for this, and I don't know if I have words to 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 fill that void, but it really is just the American way. It's the spirit of the the American, not not the spirit of America, the spirit of the American. American, yes, to um, to uh, to live their life the way that they want to to raise their kids the way they want to that freedom to uh, you know freedom just freedom i mean all of us we get up every day we go to work we come home we take care of our kids we go to the high school we watch our kids 
we participate uh, in the community events around us. Um, you pay your taxes, you be a good neighbor. That's that's the American way. And I think that's the, the, what you I were trying to say. That's what's going to prevent yeah. the total downfall. Now, There's going to be a. I think there will still be a big reckoning where we shed a lot of the bullshit and a lot of the institutions crumble somehow or another. But you know, in in the words of the famous Javier Millet, "Afuela, get that shit the fuck out of here, anyways. Get rid of these institutions. Afuela. We, we don't fucking Afuela. need them. Afuela, Afuela, Afuela." <laughs> Uh, so, you know, and after all these institutions crumble, yeah, it's going to be painful, but we're still going to have the American. Okay. How far do we take it? Do we also topple Social Security? Are we taking that out, too? Mm -hmm. now, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up knowing, knowing, and being told regularly... There won't be any social security left when you retire. Yep, exactly. You're not going to be able to retire. You're going to be working forever. Uh, I well, say... I don't know. Go ahead, Keith. I'm still mulling this over. I say that we have to go back to the bond system to where you have to pay in bonds or war bonds or whatever else to actually fund that shit instead of doing the open free bank check that they have with the federal reserve as we see it today okay okay good point good point if we were to get rid of social security i would say something say that we need something like it but improved in its place because it does have a place it really does have a place <clears throat> social security is not solvent because not because we you know, don't have enough money or whatever, but it's not solvent because our government keeps taking money from it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's our money. That's, that's our money. It, and it's not even, they call it a tax, but it's really Bingo. not. Bingo. Um, <clears throat> the way I see it as the guy paying my own taxes, when I pay into social security, that's my money sitting in an account for when I retire. See, I always viewed social security, Social Security as an ongoing bond buy. Okay, you're buying bonds from the government. It's kind of like just like buying war bonds. And then you can draw back on that once you get to 65 years old. They sure. keep raising the age. You know, for us, it's going to be 75 or yes. 80. And the problem so is the government keeps, keeps decimating the value of those bonds. Mm-hmm. So now when they owe, owe us back, then all of a sudden, oh, shit, there's not a lot of money in Social Security, even though everybody paid into it. Well, we fucking blew it all. And, yeah. If, if they're going to dissolve Social Security, go for it. Fine. Figure something else out. But all that money I paid into Social Security all my life, you better cut me a check for every fucking cent. Or at least give me the return value for it, you know. No, the idea. No, nope, I want that every is, fucking penny adjusted that's, for that's inflation. That's the idea. We're supposed to get that money back, and they're allowed to use it and keep the interest off of it to run the government. That's the whole idea behind that shit. Um, 
well, right, wrong, or indifferent, but yeah. that's that's kind of the idea there. Because the government's not just sitting there holding on to all that, you know. No, they're fucking. They're doing what banks do. They're taking yeah. our money and money markets. Yeah. That's why money markets exist. But wait a minute, isn't it? Aren't isn't the government not supposed to be able to generate its own revenue? It's not. The Federal Reserve is. Oh, abolish the Fed then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but you you wouldn't get rid of get rid of the House of Representatives. So why would you get rid of a piece of government like the Federal Reserve? Because, because it's, it's not a piece of government. hundred years. Bingo. It's a private institution. Yes. Ran by bankers who are appointed by the executive branch. Just just say they're run. It's run by oligarchs. Yes. It's an oligarchy. Yes. Yes. Oligarchies. Oligarchies. And while we're talking about people in these high positions who have amassed power, powers that they were never supposed to have under our form of government, like the Federal Reserve, there is a uh, uh, I guess a special committee and it's at every level of government federal, state and even county and uh, we've got our early election coming up primary election coming up and I notice we are uh, voting on a candidate for the state central committee okay are you guys familiar with what the central committee does? Because it's it's no different than any other central committee you might have heard about. It really isn't. Can you think of a political central committee anywhere in the world? I don't, I'm not following you. Yeah. Well all during the height of the Soviet Union, they had a central committee. The party, whatever they call it, the Central Party Committee, the Chinese government has a central committee. Oh, a government party. Well, what these central committees are is a group of elected individuals. They are elected, but they pretty much decide um, how things are going to be run in the elected government. They have a lot of power given that they're just another committee, but I'm still learning more about these, but the more I learn about them, they just need to be done away with. It's, It's they're consolidating powers. Yeah, that doesn't sound That's good at all. That's what they're doing. And it's all being done politically, okay? It's all about politics. There's a Republican Central Committee, and there's a Democrat Central Committee, all right? And the people who sit on these Central Committees also sit in 
government offices and you know they kind of get to decide who's going to run for offices and what the agendas are going to be or or what topics are going to come up for discussion and there's a lot of things that they are controlling and it's way too much power for one small committee to have especially when we don't really know what the fuck these people are doing are or talking, who the fuck these people are. Are you talking just party leadership? It is. Because that's like what the DNC and like the RNC and stuff is. Sure. National yeah, that's what committee. I was thinking. It's like their actual party leadership is what it sounds like. Central committee. Huh. It's interesting. I'm going to need to look, look into Look into this, because it's, it's not a good thing, and it straight reminds me of, you know, the Communist Central Party. The, the Central Committee, the old Russian guys that ruled over the Soviet Union. Khrushchev and... Uh, Okay, I see I what you're saying. They huh. ran the entire Soviet committee from that room with an iron fist. They made all the decisions. Huh. Huh. Well, it sounds like a good good way for corruption to sneak in. I mean, that's you'll my have point. That. You'll have that's that. exactly my point. It's 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 like a focal point for the corruption. But corruption's fucking everywhere, and it's fucking sickening. Have you guys followed this um, case against Trump? And no, I think it's Fulton County, Georgia. I think it's Atlanta. Oh yeah, with so, Fanny. Yeah the the Rico case. So this AG, um, her name's Fanny Willis. And I'll just come straight out and say it. She's a diversity hire. She's an affirmative action diversity hire. She is not qualified for this job, obviously, especially after everything that just came out. And she's she's the fucking AG. And she's brought this case, this RICO case, against Trump and his campaign and everybody that was involved with him. Um about the election where where Trump was, you know, kind of questioning, not kind of, definitely questioning the election. And and she's trying to charge them with the RICO statute, which is, you know, usually used against mobsters and shit. It was it was made for the mafia. It was it this sort of case was created yeah to be able to get the mafia because they had these layers of separation in the mafia and nobody knew who the next guy below him was or the next guy above him was and they did that on purpose you know culpable deniability and all that stuff and protect each other from from prosecution but they made these rico case this rico case statute so what no matter what was going on uh let's say um let's say a uh, 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 a henchman for the mob you know, whacks a couple people and buries them in the fucking desert. And then, okay, the cops find him and bust him. And 
but he won't talk because he doesn't know who's above him. He doesn't know where the orders came from. So then they can't prosecute up the chain of command that way. Well, with these Rico cases, all they need is to bust that one guy. And then whether the people below him or above him knew about it or not, they're still responsible. Now they can prosecute these people. And that's what she's doing with trying to do with this Trump case. It's very bizarre. It's a very, very bizarre legal uh, interpretation. It just I, nobody's done this before. This is this is crazy. But you know, as as she's going through this case, trying to prosecute Trump, um, she hires another attorney, a special prosecutor. Nathan Turns Ray. out this guy has like almost zero prosecuting experience as an attorney. And it also turns out that they're in a relationship and have been since 2019, a romantic sexual relationship. So then she hires this guy and now he's getting paid taxpayer dollars. And so is she getting paid taxpayer dollars. Then they start going on cruises and vacations together and this and that and the other. And he's paying for all this with his business credit card. That's taxpayer money. So dangerous. If if you're working for the state and you're swiping your business card, that's taxpayer money. Okay? So he's paying for these vacations with this card. Him and this his girlfriend AG that hired him are going on these vacations. And then she says, well, yeah. So all this comes out and now she's being investigated for conflict of interest. And it's probably going to be dismissed from the case, which is bad for the case. Cause this case is fucking imploding already, even before this. Um, and so it turns out that he's paying for these vacations with his business card. And then she is apparently turning around and reimbursing him but there's no record of the reimbursements and she's saying well i was just i paid him cash i didn't you know so there's no like record yeah, there's no if, paper if, trail. Wait, you're a high government official you know better that don't work how many yeah, 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 travel yeah. vouchers exactly. have you filled out joe exactly exactly fucking airman in the air force knows better than that right 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 so so she's being grilled there was a hearing last week about it and she fucking she literally imploded on the stand Mm -hmm. because number one at first they subpoenaed her to testify and she denied it no i'm not testifying fuck you which okay yeah that's good legal practice if you can avoid testifying especially if you're the one in the hot seat you don't fucking testify. Shut the fuck up. However, you don't have that right as a government official. It came the day for the hearing, and they were calling witnesses, and people were testifying, and and all this. And then just out of nowhere, here she comes. All right, is it my turn? I'm about to get up here. Uh-huh. So she, everybody was like, wait a minute. What are you, what are you doing? She's like, I'm testifying. And they're like, oh. Okay, well, you said you weren't, but since you're here, let's get you sworn in. <laughs> so she goes to testify, and they're grilling her, and she's being absolutely belligerent. But this, when she testified, this is when we, as uh, Americans, should have realized this bitch has no fucking clue how to do her job. 
She's a fucking attorney, attorney general, for that matter. She was that elected. used to be a judge. Yeah, she was elected to this office. And she's sitting there being asked questions, and obviously her questions, or, or the way she's answering her questions, um, are in uh, kind of uh, their... Her interests in answering these questions are obviously adverse to the interests of the prosecution in this case, in this hearing. So the prosecution is trying to show that she was, you know, doing A, B, C, and her interests are, as she's answering these questions, to show that she was not doing A, B, and C. So what that means is, and you guys might have heard this in in the movies or on TV or something, when when the prosecution asks the judge, hey, judge, permission to treat the witness as hostile. That yes. doesn't mean that doesn't mean what people think it means. It doesn't mean that the host or the the witness is belligerent and they're hostile, like they're going to yell at you or hurt you or something. That's right. not what that means. What it means is the witness that we're questioning right now are giving answers that are um, not congruent with finding the facts based on our questions. That's what being a hostile witness means. They're avoiding and, answering the question, basically trying to dodge it. Right, right, right. But but this bitch is, as soon as the prosecutor in this case, or the questioner in this case, asks the judge to treat her as hostile, she speaks up and interrupts everybody and says, I'm not hostile. I'm not being hostile. I'm here on my own accord. I'm being very polite. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, bitch, that's not what it means. You're an attorney general and don't know what it means to consider a witness hostile? Okay, big, big strike number one. You're fucking dumb. You have no place being an attorney general. That's basic legalese right there. So they keep going and they're asking her questions and they get to the part where um, she was asked about um, paying the money back that this, yeah. her boyfriend was swiping his card for. And... They're like, why were you using cash? Where did you get the money? And she's like, well, first of all, money is fungible. And we're like, yeah, but like, where did you get the cash? There's no bank records that you withdrew the money or an ATM receipt or any. What What's going on? Well, I keep cash at my house. I've been keeping cash at my house. I always keep cash on hand and gave all these reasons why she keeps cash and stashes cash. And Okay, fine. Fuck you. Whatever. It's your money. Do whatever you want with it. But they probe a little deeper, and and they were trying to find out where did the cash come from. And she starts talking about, well, you know, I, you know, I've I've got a job, I have money, um, you know, uh, and you know, sometimes you go to Publix and you get fifty dollars cash back, and you just go home and throw it in the in the safe with the rest of the cash, and you know, it just comes from different places. And then she says. You know, and then for my first campaign, I withdrew a bunch of money from the campaign and I took it home and I put it in, in the safe and kept it there. And, and wait a minute, bitch. What did you just say? Right. That was a did stop. You, what? Did you just admit to the whole fucking world campaign fraud <laughs> that you were taking 
money for personal use out of your campaign funds? Mm-hmm. Are you fucking... And she... So dumb, she didn't think anything of it. She thought, that's no problem. It's just cash. I'm going I'm to keep it at my house and shit, for real. Because and, and that was another thing I, I really disliked about her, was her demeanor and the way she talks. Listen, you're a college-educated person. You have a Juris Doctorate. You're a professional. You're representing the people that elected you. And you're up here t- shucking and jiving and speaking Ebonics, and we can't understand you. Because you're so dumb, you can't even fucking talk. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was very bad. I don't know what's come of the the case so far, but I about guarantee this bitch and her boyfriend are being pulled off the case, and then, as a result, the whole thing's going to crumble. It was going to crumble anyways, but now it's just going down in fucking flames, and I'm just loving every second of it. Like... (laughs) Well, and not only that, but she, like, went, when she was getting elected, went on the auspices of going after Trump. That yes, was her yes. campaign for it. And then not only that, but, like, did you listen to any of Nathan's comments? Her boyfriend uh-huh. is Nathan Wade. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And I he did. testified. And they kept asking, well, do you have the receipts for that to show that, you know, it was either business or personal? And he's like, no, I don't have receipts. I just have statements. And it's like, that's yes, that means that you used it. But, like, for what? Because you still have to do expense report even when you're doing your taxes and everything else. Especially using it in the manner you're using it. Fucking corrupt pieces of shit. And another thing, you were talking about, Keith, that she ran on the platform of getting Trump another part of her platform and I saw a clip of it and it was it was a clip that did not fucking age well considering what she's doing right now and why she's in the hot yeah. seat uh, she was being interviewed in a local n- news station or something you know for her campaign and and the interviewer asked her well Miss Willis why 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 should people elect you as attorney general and she said something to the effect of and I'm pretty close to being quoting her but something to the effect of well i think the people of atlanta deserve an attorney general who isn't going to have sex with his employees and that's right isn't corrupt and won't uh won't uh embezzle oh, money oh man that's right like everything that <laughs> she was doing and you you watch that video and consider what what she's sitting in the hot seat for right now and you go okay that didn't age well. Do as I say, but not as I do. We we actually did get an Atlanta attorney general that uh, is going to have sex with her employees and embezzle money. It's just fucking ridiculous. So much fucking corruption. I mean, I'm not surprised by the hip... We all know where the hypocrites are. We know. They they exist on that one wing. Yep, the DEI like, hypocrites. Almost, That's what they are. Oh God, it's so bad. And th- this is the Trump prosecute. This is the best people they could get to prosecute Donald Trump, right? Yeah, and their entire campaign 
against Trump is going to be built on. Well, he was impeached and he's being investigated for this and that. And he's done all this wrongdoing. And, and, and where, where, where? Yeah, you had him on trial for shit. So far, best as I can tell, he's had to pay one person. What, like a, 190 million? What, that lady in the civil suit that said he raped her? but wouldn't say he raped Wait, her. Stormy Daniels had to pay Trump something like $100 million. Yeah, because she broke her NDA. But then Trump had to pay... Did Trump have to pay her later? Not that I remember. No, well, he, was, there was... he was fully within, within contractual obligations there. The contract said, oh, okay, I'll pay you this money, and you... Um, have to refrain from talking about a b and c and she signed it and it was notarized there you go that's a contract so when she broke the nda remember when she came out and said all the shit she said and michael avenetti and all them went after trump and that backfired on him real bad because she broke the nda legally binding nda and then he countersued and got a bunch of money out of her yeah and I think that you, what you're talking about is probably the newest thing where they're having to pay, like, uh, it's Trump and his companies that have to pay $355 million or something in fines and stuff to New York. Oh, yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit, too. That yeah. sounds like bureaucratic bullshit to me. That's yeah. the case we talked about on a previous episode of our podcast okay. where the the lawmakers or the the prosecutors in New York are going after him because he, they said he overvalued his properties so he could borrow more money against them. And then in turn, the people that lent him the money made a bunch of money, which is a good thing. That's why people lend money, right? So you can charge interest and make money and, and everybody made out great on the deal. No one was a victim here, but they're still just like trying to find a way to get him for something. Oh, he overvalued and and, and borrowed against that for you know. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, but nobody there is, you know, a lot of well, a lot of crimes require that there is someone that has a stamp that has stance, which means you were affected by the crime. There's got to be a victim. There's got to be a victim in a, in a lot of these crimes. And that's one of them. And there were no victims. In fact, everybody involved, every single party involved. Sounds to me like he played a loophole in the system and won. Basically. Yeah, but... But that's uh, like how they all do it, though. That's that's how it operates. Like, you, you try to push the envelope as far as you can. I mean, even when we're buying houses or refinancing our homes or something, you want... You want to do stuff like that so you can get the best value, bang for your exactly. buck, and be able to borrow against it and get the most amount of money that you possibly can at the lowest interest. Like, what? That's what we all do. Whether it's on a scale of, you know, people buying a $100,000 home or somebody buying, uh, you know, $5 billion worth of real estate. Right. It's, it's fucking stupid. So much fucking corruption and, and and hypocrisy. 
I mean, Nick put reckless government spending in here. That's another fucking bit of uh, corruption. I'm so sick of this Ukraine bullshit, especially after the Putin interview, which I actually thought was kind of like a non-factor. I wasn't that impressed by it. Did you watch it? I didn't watch it at yeah, all. I watched the whole thing. It Do you want to go into rather, that? It was, we can. We can. It was rather uneventful, I think. It, it was Putin doing most of the talking. Yeah. And it was... It, Putin is a very, very smart man. Oh, by far. He's a very smart man. He's not unhinged. He's not a wild man. Yeah, he's a bad person. He's a dictator. He's vicious. He murders his uh, political opponents in his country. He he does all kinds of horrible shit. He starts wars, you know, land grabs like he's doing in Ukraine. But he's not fucking crazy. And he's not a madman. He's very smart. He's cool, calm, calculated. And he knows the Western societal problems. And he he will uh he'll he'll take advantage of that every chance he gets but most of the interview was him explaining the history of the creation of the state of russia and all the lands and all the families and all the leaders and mm-hmm. and and royalty and and the church and religion and and the original Russian peoples and the languages and all this. It was interesting to hear, but I didn't believe a fucking word he said because he's Vladimir Putin, for one. And two, it was like, okay, this is a, this is an interview with an American journalist, a very prominent American journalist who I was fucking rooting for. Mm-hmm. I've been rooting for Tucker. Haven't always liked him, but when he left Fox News, I've been rooting for this guy. Because he gave the big fucking middle finger to the to the you know legacy media, and I loved it. And I was kind of let down by this interview. It was it was kind of uneventful. It was mostly Putin just you know trying to make himself sound smart. And, but Tucker did press him a few times, pressed him a few good times. You know, one of his his first question is, "Why did you do this in Ukraine?" And that's when he went on his thirty minute history lesson and that was kind of like okay well answer the fucking question we, we never got an answer to that question and another thing he pressed him on tucker pressed him on was uh essentially okay you started this you apparently you know you had a reason for doing this what's the off-ramp look like what what are we what's going to end this war and putin's answer every time is you know we're we're at the negotiation table we're ready nobody wants to negotiate with us at any time when somebody wants to negotiate let's do it and i'm like i don't believe you dude i don't believe you at all i mean i believe i believe him partially because the west doesn't know how to fucking navigate especially you know europe and united states governments we are we're our negotiating skills in terms of geopolitics are fucking stupid we we have no idea how to look at our opponent and well, try no. to figure out it's what their interests are. The first thing out of their mouth when they sit down at the negotiating table is, now you know, global warming is a huge issue and we're all doing our part and it's time for you to do your part too. No, get the fuck out of here with that. That's not what anybody in the world wants to hear. Yeah, Nobody right. wants no. to hear your green agenda bullshit. 
yeah, it, it's stupid. You're right. We we don't. That that's only part of it, though. We we really don't have. I mean, let's look at the Israel thing, Israel and Palestine thing, um, Iran, the PLO, the Houthis, all of these groups. We as Westerners, uh, as a whole, cannot look at these groups and put ourselves in their shoes and realize what are their motivations, what are their interests, are any of those things in line with what we as Westerners value? And they're not. We've we talked about this a few weeks ago. In in the Middle East, if you appear weak, you're done. The, you're done. The, the people that live in the Middle East and worship the way they worship and have created these civilizations and societies, they see someone that appears weak and they they think it's virtuous and they feel obligated to conquer the weak. They feel like they're doing the weak a favor by conquering them and making them convert or killing them. And uh, the West just can't can't see it that way because obviously yes that's wrong that's horribly wrong that's evil we should help the weak we should raise them up and make them stronger but that's not the, the reality of it is that's how they see things that's how they think and we need to take that into consideration when we're negotiating or or creating uh you know, foreign policy in the United States, and we—they refuse to do it. They still want to talk about a two-party or a two, uh, a two-state solution between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And it's like, no, that's the Palestinians don't want that. Why? Right? No, but the same—the same no, thing here with yeah. with this this Russia-Ukraine thing. And uh, so the, the interview was rather boring, I would say. Um, what's the What's the guy who's locked up over there? There's an American journalist that's locked up over there, and I forget his name, but uh, Tucker, right at the end, asked him about about this journalist. And Tucker's point was, you know, look, this guy's he's barely 30 years old. He was just a journalist that was over there doing his job as a journalist, and you know, Putin pretty much says, yeah, well, he was over here breaking laws. We have laws against um, obtaining secret information from the Russian government, especially secretly obtaining the secret information through the wrong channels. He broke the law. We locked him up. Y'all want to sit down and negotiate his release. Here we are. And that was about the extent of the, the interview. I, I really... Mm. I was really let down by it. But then, guys... Yeah, his name was Evan Gurkovich. Is that him? I don't yeah. think that was him. There's somebody else. That name doesn't sound familiar. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. We that You get the point. But, you know, all that being said about the, the interview... Over the next couple days, uh, Tucker stayed in, in Russia. And Putin kind of gave him the the grand tour. And what that means is he did what any dictator does when a, a foreign journalist comes. He took Tucker to the Moscow train station to say, 
hey, look how beautiful this train station is, how clean it is. There's no crime. Nobody's getting pushed onto the tracks in front of moving trains. Nobody's getting murdered. It, it's beautiful here. And yes, it is. So then Tucker yeah. takes that and goes, I'll be damned. This is a nice train station. Man, the train stations in the U.S. are absolute fucking shit. And that's true. I can agree with that. But then Tucker takes it too far and pretty much says, well, if Russia's got this nice train station and America's train stations are garbage, that must mean Russia's not as bad as everybody says it is. Quality of life here is pretty nice. Then he goes to the grocery store, a high-end grocery store. And he takes his camera crew shopping with him. And they all took bets on how much it was going to cost to get one week's worth of food for a family of four, I think it was. And they were all saying, oh, probably be four or five hundred U.S. dollars. So they go through and they get all their groceries and he's, you know, on camera like, look at all these wonderful foods they have here in Russia. This bread is so fresh and Oh, look, I thought we were under sanctions here, but look at the Snickers bars from the U.S. and blah, 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 all this stuff. And then they go to the checkout line, and he spends 104 U.S. dollars on a week's worth of food for a family of four. And then he goes, holy shit. Well, the economy must be pretty good here. I just got a family of four, a whole week's worth of food for $104. Boy, you can't do that in the U.S., can you? The economy here is pretty good. Russia's not so bad. Russia, you know what? They're doing something right over here in Russia. That's his message. And that's when I started getting pissed because I'm like, wait a fucking second. The only reason it's cheap to us is because we're rich Americans. We have U.S. dollars to buy this fucking food. Our our mean median income in the U.S., is about 70k. The median income in Russia is 13k. If you take away that top 1% of oligarchs that own most of all the wealth, the median income goes down to about 7k. So these people are making maybe 4 or 500 dollars a month. And then they go and if they make Four or five hundred US dollars a month, they go to the grocery store and buy one week's worth of food. Oh, uh, wait a second. If they buy a month worth of food, wait a minute. That's more than 75% of your income for that month. How are you gonna pay the rest of your bills? That 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 really pissed me off what Tucker did. It fucking pissed me off because it was misleading. Yeah, I didn't like The Russian that economy is not good. I thought that that was kind of hoodwinked and stuff, like, with it what he was, was doing. And it? I'm like, dude, no. Not at all. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Right. Tucker, Tucker done pissed me off. No, no, wait. We've been hearing for years stories of people from the Soviet Union coming to the United States and the number one thing that amazed them about capitalism and about the United States was our supermarkets and how we have entire aisles dedicated to cereals, 
of all different kinds by different manufacturers and the choices that we have in the supermarket because that didn't exist in the supermarket you know they only got one kind of cereal if they got cereal that week you know um you know they might have hamburger this week if you're lucky for meat well it just depends on what your commodity card is allowed to be stamped that week that's how that's how it was in a lot of these communist places you were only allowed to buy certain things on certain days if they fucking had it like you said in, in the u.s it's not like that i mean we we've got choice but it could very easily very fucking easily go the other way in the u.s we could be standing there with our commodity cards hoping that they've got some fucking flour maybe you bastards will no i know neither one of you will be i know you won't keith knows how to live off the land and joe you live a mile from my house so i got your back buddy <laughs> but yeah it's salt is the one thing i'd be worried about coming up with salt yeah salt because you need salt for everything i need you, you need salt to preserve your meat yep so you need a fuck ton of salt and it's our main source of iodine because they iodize all the salt now yeah that'd be a problem we're all going to need iodine because the salt we get is not going to be iodized nope you know if you're getting naturally derived salt it's not iodized But, uh, I do believe, doesn't red meat have iodine to it? I'm not sure. I really don't know. Yeah, I'm iodine. not really sure if it's honestly necessary. I'm no nutritionist. Don't, don't quote me on that, listeners. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, that's a good point, Joe. We would need a source of iodine. However, we do live in a thriving ecosystem, and uh, the hunting and the fishing around here be quite ample for some time. Not to mention, there's plenty of beef on hoof around. Um, See, that's where I would hogs. worry about a little bit after it happens and stuff. Probably about 30 days after. That's when all the one that thing food that worries will me. exhaust real fast. Um, yeah, there's going to be a certain amount of food that exhausts. The one, the number one thing that worries me about the, whatever we want to call this, call it the Big Bang, every, the apocalypse. People out here in the country, we're probably going to be okay for a while. Communities will pull together. You know, there's people out there who have food stores, and there's plenty of us who know how to live off the land. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to be life the way it is, but, you know, we'll be it's able to stay warm. We'll stay warm. We'll stay fed. But it'll take everybody chipping in and doing their part. So what worries me is the people in the cities who have no clue. And they only know one thing. They know riot, loot and pillage 
and the Walmarts and the grocery stores in those cities are going to run out of edible food real fucking quick. Yeah, I'd give and it a these, week. These people are going to band together into large groups and they're going to migrate to the countryside and they are going to feel completely justified in swooping in on all these small communities and doing whatever it takes to get the food and the supplies that they feel they are entitled to. And they will view any of us as racist, white, land-owning, Trump-voting Christians, and they will be able to justify killing us for those reasons. So that's what worries me. That it, it would worry me that they would come out here in mass looking to maim and kill to take yeah. our shit. Yeah, very well could happen. Hey, real quick, I was looking up sources of iodine. There are quite a few actually. Um, seaweed, fish, shellfish, um, obviously table salt that's iodized, dairy eggs beef liver chicken um and then i got to this That's part it. where it where it is, is talking about signs of iodine deficiency and toxicity you know not having enough or having too much in your system um and i saw this sentence it says and i quote people at risk for iodine deficiency include those who do not use iodized salt or supplements containing iodine pregnant women vegans who do not eat any animal foods <laughs> Okay. Well, if we're living off the land, fish. <laughs> if we're oh. living off the land, fish and red meat is red meat will be a mainstay of the diet. Absolutely. And we'll be loving if it's during summertime. The berries will be in. Yeah. Good eats, buddy. Good eats. Get a wheat yeah. harvest coming. And that's yep. where we'll get all of our flour. Yep, get your flour, make you some bread. And you know what? At that stage of the apocalypse, um, we're going to make our own. We're going to be, you know, we're not going to be buying Monsanto seeds. No. It'll be and it's going to be hard for farmers. But I guarantee you, and I know you don't like this, thing, but I guarantee you. Farming. Everybody and, will have to be right. farming small. But it's not going to be all the chemicals, all the pesticides, all the, I don't know about GMOs, whether they do this to us or not, but I guarantee you, well, all of these food allergies and gluten intolerances and uh, all of these autoimmune disorders, I bet you anything when this happens and we start eating good natural grain, we're not going to have those problems anymore. There's going to be a problem. It's the same problem I've been telling you about, and it's the same problem that these GMOs have solved, and that's the disease and insect pressure that's going to hit these fields. And like you said, when this great reset hits, the insects and the diseases don't know that that happened. Yeah. So all they know is they don't have to deal with pesticides, and you know. Right. So it's going to be harder to grow a crop. It's going to be a lot harder. Yep. As a matter of fact, you bastards are going to need the farmers who actually know how to grow a crop. Those of us who remember how our granddaddies did it. Yep. It takes plowing fields. It take you can't no-till. 
you can't no-till. You got to turn that soil over every year. You got to have a good crop rotation every year. You and can it takes no-till, though. incorporating the whole package, meaning you have to have animals on the farm producing manure and you're feeding the animals the grain that you're raising that's what it takes and i, I mean, can plow a field all day long i can you know, catch fish from dusty i would have to We're challenge you on this. the whole no-till piece because no-till definitely would work still and uh that wouldn't explain why it because... absolutely wouldn't keith because of the disease in the soils. Um, one benefit being uh, these fields are not going to be as wet now because they've been developed. There's a lot of pipe out there. So, um, but without the GMO seed and without the pesticides, the fungicides that we're able to apply now, mm-hmm. we will have to return to a conventional farming method that um, mother nature dictates those rules okay the pesticides and the herbicides those allow us to kind of bend mother nature's rules a bit to make it easier well wait a second guys that's still not not discounting out the no-till piece like I well, think that you're that, saying you're trying to tillage, equate it using the the chemicals and stuff. Where I'm saying no, that you don't need to. Is, the tillage is done for many of the soil-borne diseases. Now we're using chemicals to control many of these soil-borne diseases, uh, and there's there's treatments that we're putting on this seed that uh, it, you know it's not a GMO <clears throat> trait that bred into the seed this is a chemical treatment that we're putting on this seed to prevent fungus and insects from attacking this seed as soon as it germinates which is a real thing so these bugs and the diseases are active in that soil year round the old timers were able to get around it by turning that soil over regularly because all of those diseases and bugs, they're living in that top two inches, two to three inches, right where you're putting your seed, okay? You turn that over, you turn 12 inches of soil over. Now you're getting down to good, better topsoil and you turn over all those problems things they go down there they rot up and they die and that's why they were moldboarding for years and the only reason that we can know till these days is because of the modern farming practices the use of fungicide herbicide and insecticide okay think about but, this guys this, this is a doomsday this is a doomsday scenario i think we're off base let's we're stop it let no, we are. Let's stop and think about this. I'm saying it can be we're done. Saying, we're just not going to do it with chemical mo- mo- modern farming. But what? Why not? Because we already did it once. Just because the apocalypse happens doesn't mean that erases everyone's memory and all of our books are gone and all of our notes are gone and all the science is non-existent now. Yeah. Okay. Sure. When the fall happens, we're not going to have 
um, energy resources and access it's to gonna take five certain, years to get it's going to yeah so yes for a few years if it is going to be not tough, a war following it but at some point the american or not the american the human ingenuity that made all this possible is going to make it possible again and we'll have our pesticides we'll have our gmos we'll have these best farming practices a lot quicker than we did it took us thousands of years to come up with all this stuff and when the fall happens okay we're going to struggle at first maybe for a few years but everybody every fucking farmer everyone that works for monsanto or bear or anything before the fall are going to be like hey guess what i remember how to do i remember how to make roundup and roundup ready corn if you guys, if yes. we can band together as a community and we it's can come up with the resources for me to do right. this, then bam, that's all we need. Just one yep. one little community saying, all right, look what we got. We got Roundup oh, Ready Corn oh, five years after oh. the apocalypse. I'll tell you one thing that will help us recover from the big reset faster. Capitalism. <gasps> well, what's that? Is that where the government controls everything and just everyone's poor and hungry and eating dogs? That's where some farmer, like you said, gets together with some scientist who remembers everything from Monsanto. And the two of them, all of a sudden they get, hey, we got Roundup Ready Corn again. We got to get this out there to everybody. For a small profit. Honestly, I'd be going the other direction and I'd want to take them out. I think that I would be more of a mercenary to take out Monsanto and shit so that shit doesn't come back. Because it's fucking destroying us, dude. It's not worth worth it. And I think that the bigger thing is is that the modern industrial farming is definitely going to change because we won't be able to do that. Because so many of them don't know how to do otherwise. There's a lot of farmers out there these days who don't know the old ways. They don't. I'm lucky enough that I farmed with my grandfather. He farmed very old school. And by our modern methods, you know, he didn't farm well. By his old school methods, he did killing it very well. Um, but but this, back... this doesn't all just apply to only farming. This applies to all areas of of interest: science, um, uh, technology. I mean, it, it uh, energy production. Uh, I don't think it's it's going to take it's not going to take us a thousand years to recover from, you know, uh, complete EMP attack or something like that or if a big solar flare wipes out the grid on the whole fucking planet or even if it's a, a you know an asteroid or a nuclear war i mean it's not going to take us a thousand years to bounce back because i think they will do it like... in less than a hundred because so if too. you think about it most of our modern technology that you call today is only 110 years old yeah give yeah or, give or take yeah I agree. Wow. I, we we really, 
we really need to consider that. That's why I said I think we're a little off base. It's not going to be like that forever, guys. Hmm. We'll have our, our – our, whether you like them or not, we'll have our farmers, farming practices back pretty quick, I think. I think so. I think like Nick said, though, is that we're going to have war, though, because people are not going to be able to feed themselves the way that they have come to consume. Yeah, yeah. And that will – war, especially if it's a – I don't know if it's war around the globe or whether it's nation states fighting each other or factions within a nation state fighting each other. That's definitely going to put a hindrance on the the timeline of recovering from the apocalypse. But still, we just need to take it's not going to be like a lot of people think. We'll just take over. It's Canada. what I never understood. <laughs> Sorry, what? I said we'll just take over Canada. There you go. But, you know, think about think about some of the apocalyptic shows like The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead was, I don't know, how long was that show on? It, like, the time span of the show or, is like, you know, 10, 15 years. And it's like, guys, right. it, was a, it was a disease that killed a bunch of people. But nobody thought to like, hey, you know what? Let's go get these nuclear reactors running again so we can have power. Hey, you know what? Let's fire up these fucking uh, pipelines and pumps and 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 refineries and let's get some fucking fuel and let's start producing some energy. Hey, what about uh, you know what about these fucking big farms out in the plains? Why don't we get these fucking John Deere's running again? And, and start farming. Like, why didn't they ever do that in these shows? Oh, they did, actually, in The Walking Dead. After season, like, one. They start, they but actually a, build on... Hmm? Well, I think part of that, Joe, and I've considered this a lot because uh, I'm writing a novel about something similar. Sure to you are. Are. Sure you are. I've been, but, I've been hearing that for 25 years. No, um... The number one thing, well, okay, I'm going to say the number two thing. Number one thing is going to be food, and we've already covered what's going to happen with the food. Number two is energy, fuel, and heat, okay? And when the Big Bang happens, there's not going to be any power, and there's not going to be any logistics to move the fuel. The refineries have to keep making the fuel. The uh, the fuel depots have to keep delivering it to the gas stations because the gas stations can only survive for about three days without fuel delivery, if that long. I mean, honestly, how often do you see a fuel truck and it's your favorite gas station? A couple times a week. Right, yeah. a couple times a week. So the fuel supplies are going to run out real quick. And that's what I keep saying about industry is going to grind to a fucking halt because it is such an intricate web of things that must keep flowing to keep all of these factories operating yeah. and tur turning on that nuclear reactor is just one step of the process. Yeah. You no, know, you need the steel mill going, you need the rubber mill going, you need the uh, you need the uh, propane refinery running. You need the gas refinery running. You need the trucks to deliver all this shit. There's a huge network that we have operating. Right. It's going to take forever 
to get the industry back up and running. We're not going to have the fuel reserves to do that. And going back to my point that I was saying before, with it's going to be years before any of that comes back. Everybody is going to have to learn to survive. In the meantime, and, yeah. Uh, you know, the countryside here, I agree with you. It's not going to be the big farms. It's going to be small farms. Everybody's going to have a hundred acres that they're working to grow some food. And we're going to be doing it with the least amount of powered equipment possible. I mean, horses, donkeys, mules. See, I think that that's where I see all of that happening. You'll have more potential for people that live in like the suburbs or something like that that do have the know-how to come up and buy property off of farmers because they can't farm their whole properties. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's what I'm saying. There, I mean, it's the things like that will probably happen, and you know. Maybe you luck out and you're the guy that's got, you know, a thousand gallons of diesel fuel around. You can use that and pull that old 730 out of the barn because you can run one of those motherfuckers for about three months on one tank of fuel. But I do know how to make some biodiesel. Uh, see, make things like that will need to biodiesel. happen. We all know we're going to be able to make our own liquor and we're going to be able to grow our own smoke and we're going to be able to hunt for our food and grow it. But where are we going to come up with diesel fuel? Where are we going to come up with uh, electricity? Electricity, there's ways we can generate that. We have creeks and rivers and we've learned from history ways to harness that power and use it for the work that we need. Um. So my shit start. I start getting super worried though. Once we are after a month out, I think the people will go so crazy because of the lack of food that they're used to, especially city people, that they would go in and start just killing everything, and like we won't have enough food to survive with our population in our areas right now. I think yeah, they'll be like a they'll be they'll wasteful. Be, they'll go out and kill a deer every day it's just like, to eat one steak out of it and let the rest rot. Right. It's like a freaking the meat. flock of locusts, you, you know, yes. just decimating out everything. Yeah, I, I think that that's where the biggest war is going to start. Is it? And we'll notice that hunting grounds. Like, that's what the Native yeah. Americans were yeah. angry about. Yeah. Remember, they saw fields of buffalo slaughtered for their tongues and their hides. Well, right. let, let's go back a little further. They used to kill each other over hunting ground. Before My point exactly. Before the white man showed up, they were still killing each other over hunting over grounds, hunting far, grounds. Uh, agricultural grounds. Hey, but wait, what? Keith. Every wait, country, what? every country was like that. Yes, I know. They were. I know. Yeah, and we're supposed to pretend that it's just, you know, the white people coming to the New World that, that you know, put a stop to that because we're evil. But, Keith, you said that, um, you know, the people, especially in the big cities, are going to become, become the locusts, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to decimate everything. And I just find irony in it that these are a lot of the same people that are saying, 
oh, our earth is overpopulated and we're, you know, killing the resources and, <laughs> and wait a minute. Oh, look what happens when the, when the fall happens, you are the ones or eat who are those the ball bugs. lickers. You are the ones who are the ball lickers. <laughs> and Silent Bob and I yeah, find dude. you. I think it's also funny too is that like most of them are also about the climate change and all that other stuff enough to where they even want to have you eat the crickets, and it's like, well, no, really, you are the the cricket in this this yeah. thing. So let's just uh-huh. catch up to you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so. Man, we have a lot of talks about the apocalypse on this podcast. It's well, not I... even on our fucking our our. our topics but we always somehow end up talking about the apocalypse honestly more than not if i'm not watching videos about like politics and stuff like that i'm watching things about when shit hits the fucking fan because at the end of the day i'd rather just figure out what to do in the case of something happening and if i'm thinking about it i guess that i'm working towards it uh you know i know preppers people who are saving shit up and and I know some extreme preppers, and I know some pretty mild ones who are just ready in case anything happens, you know. But uh, I guess I've always looked at it as uh, I'm not doing any of that. I'll just react to it when it happens and uh, hope for the best. But, now, I think everyone Nick, you're, should you're be painting prepared that a lot prettier. Say what, Keith? I said everyone should be prepared for at least a natural disaster for like three days. Oh, yeah. Sure. If you're not prepared for that, then it's pretty sad. Nick, what, the way you said that was a lot more eloquent and less um, uh, threatening than the other times I've heard you say that. When you're talking about these preppers and shit, and you're not going to do that. You're just going to wait for the fall to happen. And then, what did you say you were gonna do? Like I said, I'm just, I'm just gonna wait and see what happens. Uh huh. I'll, I'll rely on my ability to survive and scavenge and um, uh, collect resources. Collect, collect resources. <laughs> okay. Commandeer resources. Oh, there you go. Now you're getting closer. That's not very uh, acquisition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are we going to become part of the Ferengi alliance here and start citing the rules of acquisition to each other? Exactly oh, no. right. That's a United States military thing, right there. Uh huh. Tactical acquisition. That means form mafia. Boom. Mine now. Yep. Foreheads on foreheads. Oh, looky, there's nobody here. This is mine now. <laughs> Dude, I love it. I was watching that uh, movie with McConaughey in it, The Free State of Jones. Okay, I've started watching that, but I, I didn't get very far into it, and I've always wanted to go back to it because it's a fascinating story. Dude, it's a great story, and like... It lines up with so much of our shit now besides slavery. And I'm like, slavery could just be changed into the way that they're doing us now with our government and whatever else. But like the simple fact of like 
the Confederacy in this case in the movie coming up to a house that has only a wife and her three kids and took most of their food and most of their wood because they needed it for the Confederacy camps, which I get to give some if you're in such a time of war, which, you know, you should. But, like, the way that it was, it was, like, egregious to where they were probably going to die in that winter. So, it... Sadly, in those old wars, Mm. that that was very common. It happened in the Revolution. Yeah. Um, And those accounts of both British and Continental forces coming into a farm and kind of cleaning the place out. Right. But... uh, at the same time, you have to understand that, you know, the Continental Army was literally freezing and starving to death at Valley Forge. Right. We'll see. And the entire cause hung in the balance. So, um, well, you can say something more broad, Nick. You don't have to give specific examples like they were freezing and starving. All you have to say is, hey, guess what, everyone? It's fucking war. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Is like I well, think that that's how it's going to turn out eventually. There was rationing during World War Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, lucky strikes went red for uh, the war. You know, okay, they needed well, the red, the green dye for the GIs, and there were a lot of products that changed because those resources needed shifted towards war production. Um, even like a metal you know, when the stuff. men went off to war, the women went to the factories to make all this shit. Right. Yep. Um, yep. It, that's that's America right there. That's what I say. America will prevail. I agree. I think, you know, speaking of all that with our last war and we did all that, just the amount of factories that we don't have now, I think is a worry. Oh, they're there. They're there. They're just empty. Yeah. Those old factories, they're still there all across the Rust Belt. You still see them. Yeah, yeah, just true. But in a lot of ways, you know, modern industry doesn't require as much uh, power or as much space for the machines to do the exact same job as, you know, 50 years ago. When you consider, like, this, Joe, think about the automotive industry. With the onset of CNC machining, injection molding, things like that, you don't need as much room, as much no. power, electrical or you know, I don't diesel know. or whatever. I don't know about that. I would actually maybe argue that with the advent of better, smaller technologies, you needed more energy. But I, I don't know. That's, I guess, a, a conversation for another time. But yeah, you're right to an extent. Like, the, all these technologies, like, mark my words. If the fall fucking happens, I am not going to forget how to work on motors and troubleshoot ladder logic and, and some sort of PLC yeah. program. Or I'm not going to forget the properties of certain types of plastics. I'm not going to forget the properties of certain types of metals. And there are going to be, uh, uh, you know, 180, 200 million people just like me. 
that mm-hmm. are not going to forget the things they know. And going back to you know the people in the suburbs that might become locusts, there are actually probably going to be a, a a formidable formidable faction of those people who have nothing else to op- offer except their knowledge I, and experience. I, I, I don't know how to farm. I don't know how to hunt. I don't know how to raise livestock. But I tell you what I do know how to do, synthesize chemicals. Or I tell you what I do know how to do, um, I know I know how to organize communities. Uh, yes. I tell you what I do know how to do, I know how to um, get logistics uh, lines worked out and up and running. There are going to be those people that don't have much to offer in terms of immediate help, like, you know, you're talking about the rural folks that know how to live off the land and all this stuff that are going to be fine right off the bat. If we can take those other people somehow and support them, they're going to end up supporting us and make our lives easier and get us back to some sense of normalcy. We're building communities. Working communities. Yeah. Not just a passive community. And I, I don't want to see the fall, don't get me wrong, but I think one good thing is going to come out of the fall. A re, uh, we will have rewoven before long our yes. the fabric yeah. of society. That will come back with, with a quickness. A quickness. No, I'm with you. That, and that's in my book too. That's a big part of my book. God damn it, I want to read this fucking book you've been talking about. I mean, that all the the, the war stuff and and the fighting, I guess that's the attention grabber in the book. But what the book is really about is about the citizens of the United States who have nothing coming together, helping each other out, reforming these communities, like you said, Joe, you find these people with these skills and you get them back doing exactly what they were doing before. And it's about rebuilding society in this country, rebuilding communities. And uh, uh, I guess that's that's a really cool part about it. And it's, it, yeah, it's... Every cloud it's very has a silver lining. To see it happen and you know maybe that is what america needs like i said throughout history we've had horrible events that in the end it just strengthened us yeah it's unfortunate though that it always takes some sort of horrible tragedy however large or small for us i mean look at look at what happened in nine during 9-11 or after 9-11 right the unity the unity that was in this country, there was a fucking flag hanging from every fucking house yes. in the country. And everyone was on a pitch in just about. Yep. Everybody was looking to do their part. How could we do our part? Joe, that was a speech that I gave to our high school marching band when we performed that weekend after that event. Because we're all wondering what we can do. How we can do our part? Well, we were in a marching band, and that's what we did. We took people's minds off of it for 10 minutes on a Friday night. And rocked their fucking balls off. 
And that was my point. I said, tonight, you're not just doing it for us. and You're not just doing it for Graham. You're doing it for the United States of America and everybody that died in the World Trade Center. So suit up. This one ain't for us. Amen to that, guys. Yeah. Fucking A. Well, on that note, we are sitting at one hour and 27 minutes as we speak. Well, time gets away. Who would like to go first tonight? Oh, I reckon I'll start. Folks, I appreciate you listening to us. Sorry we got into the apocalypse, doom and gloom again, but, you know, be ready for it. Don't forget that part about community. It shouldn't take a a worldwide or nationwide tragedy for us to say, you know what, fuck this. Let's rebuild our community. Let's have some sort of social fabric. Go out there and do your part. See you next week. Um, Well, it seems we did get into the apocalypse tonight, but we also talked a lot about coming back together with our neighbors and helping each other out and reforming those communities. And I think that's a, that's a good idea, a good uh, 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 MO to go forward with, especially in this election cycle that uh, everybody you know, our neighbors, these people we're arguing with on social media, they're Americans. We're all Americans, and we're all going to need each other someday. Peace, love, everybody have a good week. Just like they all said, but I just want to leave you on, be active instead of passive, especially in your community. And we say... See ya. Deuces.